All right, welcome back, everybody, as we get going here on Sports Talk. Happy Wednesday. Today is the 17th day of January already. My goodness. New Year is flying by. And that's, you know, that's that just goes to show you what happens when, uh, you know, a lot of things are going on sports-wise. For us, UTEP, NFL playoffs, uh, we just had the... Uh, Bowl championships, the bowl playoff championships. Just a lot going on. Who's hiding back there, Alberto? That's right, Alberto Reta is here. Good. Appreciate that. Good to see you, man. Excellent. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's coming your way. 600 ESPN El Paso. Our telephone number is 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Just had, took a call before we went on the air today. Daniel wants to know why the FOSS hasn't come on. I had to tell him, well... We haven't invited him back on yet. I mean, you know, it's I, I know it's it's interesting because some some of our listeners think that guests are like callers, meaning callers can call up whenever. Guests come on the show when they're asked to come on the show. It's a different, totally different situation. Totally different situation. And you know, Foss might have expected to have been on by now, talk about the Cowboys, but now we'll save him till the end of the week. Well, we've got uh, Friday's show, and we can talk more about the divisional playoff round. We'll get him on then, but that's why. It's not like Foss is afraid to call the show. No, we just haven't asked him to call into the show. Yesterday, we were busy. We had Bob Moore at 5. We had John Teicher at 6. Today, we've got Jay Jaffe and Jeff Erickson. I mean, these are busy shows. Tomorrow, we're live at the District West, 3233 North Mesa. Going to be back there, by the way. I'm excited about being back there. We're busy, man. It's we a busy time of busy. year. We are. That's right. We are very busy. So, um, and you know, that's part of the fun uh, this time of year is getting a chance to have these radio shows and uh, and, and do it. Uh, we did spend a lot of time yesterday on the story with the Don Haskins statue project, but uh, yesterday UTEP sent out the release. Uh, thanks to Dan and Joanne Longoria and the university, they have a date, uh, February 24th. That is going to be the public pep rally before the 83-84 uh, reunion game with uh, UTEP playing that night against Sam Houston State. And uh, super excited about that, Adrian. Number one, love the fact that we've got the 03-04 team coming in a few weeks earlier and then the 83-84 team coming back for their reunion and uh, coinciding that with the Don Haskins statue dedication and uh, unveiling, it's going to be fantastic. It will be. And I, I thought that uh, yesterday's excitement was warranted. I know that, you know, look, we've talked about this uh, for a year plus now. It was, um, I guess, it was leaked out last year for the first time, and people were initially excited. Now the fact that the artist rendition is out, you can actually kind of, uh, you have an actual date for this to come out. This is really cool stuff. In fact, if you're going to head out to the Don Haskins Center, anytime this weekend to watch some UTEP men's basketball. T uh, pay attention to right by the t uh, ticket office if you walk that way. You'll see the construction uh, you know, fenced off right now, and they're getting ready to do this. I mean, they're, they're they getting ready to launch it. We're talking about just a week and a month away here from the unveiling. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Yes, I love it. I mean, it's such a cool thing for the city of El Paso. I'm so happy that people like you helped spearhead uh, this. I mean, you think about it. We, You and I had off-air discussions, Steve, during the pandemic about this idea. So the fact that this is coming to fruition, it's long overdue, and it's warranted for one of the most iconic uh, persons to ever make an impact here in El Paso. 
we kept everything completely uh, under wraps and didn't say much to any of you about any of this stuff. And there's a reason for that, because until uh, all the uh, parties were in place, meaning UTEP was on board, we were able to secure a donor, we were able to talk to the uh, sculptor, and, and he was ready to go, and all, all the parties then were ready to green light it. Um, you know, there was no reason to really even bring it up because uh, it had been it had been discussed years and years ago. It had never been uh, given the approval. And, you know, it was a reason why a lot of this some of us have thought this should have been done many, many years ago. And to be honest, truth is this. Don Haskins should have had a statue in front of the Haskins Center when he was still alive. Uh, there's just absolutely no reason why almost 15 and a half years since he passed, this is becoming a reality. But that's the way it is. Nothing you can do about the past. You just got to, uh, you know, control what we have right now. And um, I'm just very happy. I'm happy that, you know, a lot of people really were in play on this whole thing. Uh, the Longoria family, uh, they did, you know, they're gifting it to the university. Uh, Jim Center and Dr. Heather Wilson, uh, they did what um, the previous regime wouldn't do. Uh, this is not the first time the statue has been brought up to them. Uh, this has been brought up many years ago and uh, was shot down. And this time it's not. And that is great news. Um, Brian Kanoff, legendary Hall of Fame sports photographer who's probably shot more Haskins than anybody, had this iconic uh, photo and pose of, of uh, the bear that uh, they're going to be using for the statue. Uh, and he was kind enough to, uh, to donate that image for, uh, for his likeness. So, Adrian, it's, uh, there's a lot of people in play, but the most important thing is I know the basketball season has not gone the way that everybody hoped it would have. Uh, we all know that, but at least on February 24th, we will see the most, uh, it'll be the most um, photographed and talked about an iconic landmark in El Paso when the seven-foot statue, bronze statue of the bear uh, goes up for the first time in front of the Haskins Center. No doubt about it. I'm I'm just so excited for the city of El Paso for this. I mean, just think about it. The young kids who never got to grow up around this. I mean, forget the young kids. People like me who uh, never got to really experience the Haskins era. Um, you know, anybody who's 28, 29, and any uh, years younger can appreciate the history that this basketball program has brought to the city of El Paso and one of the pers- you know the the mainstays and the legends who help our architect a lot of the history it was Don Haskins himself That's including right. starting uh, five black players in the national championship first time to do it in 1966 to win the title you're 100% correct everything you just said is exactly right and you know for some of us that had the chance to get to know the bear and develop a relationship it's personal it's personal for a lot of people like that um, but for you seeing this uh, statue, really the first of its kind, um, right there at the university when it goes up next month, that's going to be a very, very big deal for a lot of minor fans around El Paso. I think so, and I, I can I can already see all the photos being taken in front of it, whether it's selfies, like family photos would be really cool too. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see photos uh, from the Haskins family themselves. So this is going to be a really, really neat day, February 24th coming in. Line ringing in, 505-6009, 10 past the hour as we get started here on the show. In fact, coming up in a little bit, uh, Jay Jaffe will be back with us, talk baseball, 
and uh, beer on the program, and it's a tradition for him. And then we'll do Jeff Erickson uh, and talk a little uh, NFL playoff action with Jeff and fantasy uh, baseball as well. So, yeah, a lot of good, good stuff lined up for you here on the program. If you can uh, cue me in on that one, that would be great. Beautiful. Let's go to Domingo. He's going to uh, lead us off here on our show today. Domingo, thanks for the call. What's happening, man? Happy Wednesday. How you doing, Cappy? How's everybody doing? Fine, Domingo. What's going on? Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to stay here since yesterday, but I didn't have the time. That Cowboys lost, even though everybody already talked about it. But you know it hurts, but I decided to move on. Good. Hurts, Good for but... you. You should move on. Everybody should move on. Yeah. And I think McCarthy's going to get fired. I think McCarthy will be fired. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are saying that the Cowboys are going to run it back next year with McCarthy and Dak, and uh, I don't necessarily know if they're going to if they're going to can him. Now, I will say this: there's some very good names on the board right now in terms of older coaches. Whether it's Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, uh, you want to try to get Nick Saban back to the NFL, whatever you want to do. I mean, you know, the problem is they're all in their seventies, but you know, these are we're talking legendary coaches that are currently uh, you know available right now for the first time. Well, I know for a fact Belichick wants to coach because he's obsessed with being the Don Shula record, that's for sure. Well, yep, that's true. That is true. And in my view, if who's going to win? If you're going to ask me who's going to win the Super Bowl, you know my answer. I don't care. Cowboys season is over, so I don't give a damn about any of the 31 losers. There you go. I like that attitude, Domingo. That's fresh. Appreciate the call, and that's the way it should be. You know, your team's out. The heck with everybody else. Uh, I don't care. I mean, just and, – and, and here's the thing, okay? Enjoy the playoffs, all right? I mean, I know your team is out. I get it. And you don't and, – and you said it. You said, you know, there's 31 teams. They're losers. I don't care. But at least knowing you don't have a dog in the fight anymore, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the playoffs. You can, you can do that even if your favorite team is out. I am a Jets fan. My season ended four plays into the 2023 season. Long, long time ago. My season ended in early September. I've enjoyed the NFL season knowing that uh, I had nothing to get excited about. It's sometimes, Adrian, it's kind of fun when you can just absorb football and not feel like you got a dog in the fight. Right, and if you're a Cowboys fan especially, because you don't have the Eagles to root for or root against, you don't have your uh, divisional rivals in the postseason to continue. So if you're a Cowboys fan out there, then you have that understanding that, hey, look, your enemies are pretty much out. Now, if you want to call the 49ers enemies, sure. Yeah, then just root against them as the playoffs continue. There you go. Uh, By the way, uh, speaking of the 49ers, here he is, Mr. 49er himself, Orly, who gets into the show. Hey, at least you still have somebody to root for here. Uh, in uh, mid-January. Good for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I thank the Cowboys because that opened up the 49ers. Don't take anybody lightly. I guarantee they're not going to take Green Bay lightly after what they did to Dallas. That's true. I think that's that's, that's pretty fair and accurate. I always... Also, listen, I always say that historically, there's always a team coming off a bye... That's sluggish in the divisional week. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the extra week of rest and they haven't kept playing. But sometimes we do see upsets in the divisional round with the, with the team with the bye. They just, they're not the same coming off of that. I don't necessarily think that's going to be San Francisco. They're a very good team. They've only been exposed on a handful of occasions this regular season. Although Baltimore did do that to them at home. 
But look, the 49ers have been the best team in the NFC for the majority of the season, and now they have a chance to uh, host uh, the next two games and get right back to the Super Bowl. Hey, I got to meet one of our callers, one of your callers. The guy named, is it Pinky, the one from Socorro? Oh, yeah, you met uh, you met Pinky. Jaime. Yeah, yeah. I met him today at lunch. Yeah, nice guy. Oh, that's he, good. Yeah, great guy, and he uh, someone he heard my ver- voice, and then someone said, "Hey, it's Orly," and he said, hey, "I got to meet him." So, yeah, we got to meet. Very nice gentleman, big time Socorro fan, and yes, uh, just a uh, yeah, great guy. Where, really uh, hey, real quick, hey. where were the two of you guys eating lunch? Uh, where you happened to run into each other today? Where was that? It's a place called Jackie's, right there off of Kessler. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a it's a Mexican food buffet. Oh, very nice. It's called yeah. Jackie's? Jackie's, yeah. All right. Excellent. Agent, you heard of Jackie's? Yeah, I've heard of it. Heard good things. All right. Very good. Happy that you yeah. guys liked it. Hey, real quick. The rumor has it that Aaron Jones is going to be invited for the Ring of Honor in Dallas. They're going to put his name up there. That was my joke. You stole it off oh, of me since I, I put I since I, I, I put that on Twitter on Sunday, and you just oh. you just copied it. I don't have Twitter. Well, I mean, yeah, but you, yeah, you, yes, yeah, that is true. But still, I mean, you know, I, I, I I'm always, I'm always heard it today. Oh, that's good. I'm, ha- I'm always flattered when, when my, uh, when, when, when my jokes are taken a couple of days later. That's, that's good. Who, who told you that one? I heard it. I heard it on the Dan Patrick show. Ah, all right, very nice. So he, so he took it from you. There you go. I'll, I'll have to, hey, then when I see when we see Dan at Radio Row, I'll, I'll mention that to him. Thanks. Hey, hey, real quick, uh, oh, what was I going to tell you? Yeah, don't get old. You forget things. Um, anyway, let's go 49ers. Uh, and you know all the people that are complaining about why the Cowboys failed? Blame the media. Blame the fans. They buy into this hype every year. Every year is going to be the same thing. They're not, they're not relevant and hasn't been in 30 years. So all you Cowboys fans, just get used to never going to get there. Appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in. I have a scenario that I'm going to throw out your way right after Jaffe comes on, involving the Cowboys and their fans. I am so interested to get your take on this on, on this particular scenario. Okay, it's, it's, it's the craziest what if I could come up with, but I got to throw it out there and I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay, so we'll do that right Sounds after great. Jay. All right, 17 past, Jay Jaffe next, right after Charlie won. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Friend of the show, Jim Ward from. At the drive-in, Sparta, sleeper car, Jim Ward solo career. I mean, he's done it all, folks. He's a UTEP super fan. He's actually a pretty good baseball player. I'll tell you that. Playing the same uh, Sandlot team. And uh, looking forward to uh, being out in Austin uh, in April with uh, Jim and, and our and our buddies from the Diablitos. Getting a chance to play a little uh, Sandlot ball here in about... Three, four months as you welcome me back to the show. Speaking of ball, speaking of baseball, that is 
Time to say hello to our good pal. Uh, this is Jay Jaffe from uh, Fangraphs, who uh, you can follow on uh, Twitter and X at J underscore Jaffe. By the way, Fangraphs has it all going on. They're doing their zips pro- uh, projections right now for teams. They've got a lot of those coming out. Uh, Jay's continuing uh, his stories on the Hall of Fame, and we've got hitters getting ranked, starting pitchers, fantasy articles galore from Jeff Zimmerman, Paul Spore. Um, your pal Dan uh, Zimborski, a lot of good stuff at Fangraphs right now. Man, it's loaded. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, we we don't rest during the off season. We got plenty to keep us busy with, uh, um, you know, all kinds all kinds of stuff. Uh, um, you know, whether we're just thinking about uh, something that happened during the season or looking towards the next season or or putting out our projections or or uh, in my case, uh, rounding up the uh, tail end of the Hall of Fame ballot. Um, it's a lot going on. It's a uh, it's a great group. It's also I would say this: this is the best free baseball website on the planet, bar none. Now you take donations. I want to mention that there is we a membership. There is a Fangraphs right. There's a Fangraph membership where you can subscribe. You can gift a membership. You can donate to Fangraphs. That is part of it as well. You've got mugs, shirts. So uh, there are a lot of cool things. And uh, the membership itself, by the way, is uh, very, very affordable. Ten bucks a month, and uh, you're all set and good to go. And that takes out the ads, gives you some of uh, some some more fun on the website. Plus, you've got uh, exports for their roster resource and a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah, the the ad the the uh, the both the um, uh, the site and the app uh, really run uh, very nicely on the uh, uh, on the ad on, with the ad free with the membership, and you can do a lot of things like customize it if you like the uh, uh, the dark view, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. It's uh, it, it's really cool. It's, yeah, uh, definitely worth it. Yeah, and by the way, ad free is only sixty bucks a year, so there's ten bucks a month, sixty bucks a year, so a lot of ways to be flexible and do it. And baseball season's uh, practically here with. Pitchers and catchers are reporting in about a month. So, Jay, uh, before you know it, uh, we're back. It's baseball season, and a lot of good uh, storylines uh, going on right now, uh, including, um, I, you know, it's been a weird week because, for the most part, not a lot of player news, but we're finding stories like today. The Mets deciding to retire Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry's jerseys. And, and what's ironic about this is that if you would have asked you – me or any baseball uh, observer and fan in 1986 if Gooden and Strawberry would be on their way to Cooperstown we would have said absolutely yes no doubt about it and that's how good they were in the mid 80s and how the Mets were and crazy enough uh, their careers were sidetracked because of on and off the field uh, you know incidents and unfortunately Despite uh, both falling well short of Cooperstown, the Mets uh, taking two of the most popular players from that era and going to be retiring those jerseys. Yeah, I don't think at '86 I would have said they were absolutely on the on the way to the Hall of Fame, but they'd certainly gotten uh, some some of the big uh, seasons out of the way with the starts to their careers. Um, both, you know, both both of those guys were off to great starts, but uh, um, you know it's it's interesting. This is uh, one thing that that Steve Cohen, one way that Steve Cohen has differentiated himself from uh, from the from the Wilpon family ownership is is that uh, uh, in recognize, doing a better job of recognizing uh, the history of this franchise and the hunger that fans have to recognize those those past uh, uh, favorites. I mean, you know. The, w- 
it wasn't too long ago that uh, uh, there were only two numbers retired uh, for the Mets. It was just um, uh, Casey Stengel and Tom Seaver, and then you you know you it took. Uh, um, it took the Cohens buying in for for their for them to start the, the line moving again with uh, uh, number number retirements like Piazza and I think Carter and I, I forget them all but uh, it really is just a big you know I don't I don't know what the Wilpon family's reservations were about uh, um, about actually having fun uh, you know I guess it cost money um, but yeah. uh, uh, they didn't have old timers days either for you know because that would be too fun. Um, so this is a nice gesture by Steve Cohen, and uh, you know both Strawberry and Gooden have had their problems uh, uh, off the field, uh, even post career. But um, you know they they are uh, still fairly high visibility. They do have uh, uh, they do keep trying to uh, uh, get themselves right, and uh, you know it's uh, they're they it's good to see them embraced by the team. I think so. Sixteen and eight, and uh, I was going to say eighteen, but. Uh... Daryl Strawberry, he was he was eighteen with the Mets, was he not? I I can't I can't remember. I don't I don't have the I don't have the roster in front of me. I wasn't wasn't paying that close attention to the Mets. And I'm yes. for me, you know, as a kid, I knew everybody's uniform number. Now I've got so many more numbers to crowd those out in my head. I'm remembering their jaws rather than their uniform number. So yes, yeah, Strawberry was eighteen. <laughs> uh, Gooden was sixteen. They'll do Gooden on April fourteenth. Strawberry on. Uh, June the 1st. And by the way, in case you're wondering, here are the full list of Met retired numbers. Willie Mays with his 24. Uh, Keith, oh, Herna- yep. Keith Hernandez, number 17. Uh, Jerry Kuzman, number 36. Mike Piazza, number 31. Jackie Robinson, number 42. Of course, Tom Sieber, uh, number 41. Gil Hodges, number 14. And Casey Stengel, number 37. That's the full list. Yeah. Okay. So. Got it. Got it. That's a that's a big increase from what it, from what it used to be. Oh, it is. And by the way, I was I was like you. I was thinking that Gary Carter was on that list too. But uh, crazy enough, uh, you know, sad. We lost Gary uh, years ago due to cancer, and uh, Carter has not, uh, as of now, had his number eight retired yet by oh, the Mets. So okay. Got it. Maybe that'll maybe that'll change down the road. I mean, uh, he's, he's one. He's one of the, he's one of the actual Hall of Famers from the team. You know, that, it's, it's, yes. as opposed to some of the other guys we've, we've we've just named. You would think that would actually do something, right? You would. You would. You definitely would think. Um, uh, meanwhile, I'll ask you this because I saw a story. Uh, I guess it was yesterday, uh, talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame, and you know you've got uh, you've mentioned this a ton of times. But uh, Ryan Thibodeau has his Hall of Fame tracker. I'm looking at it right now since we were talking Hall of Fame a moment ago with Met retired jerseys, and uh, it looks like at least thus far. Players that are trending in the right direction. Let's talk about that. Adrian Beltre looks like a clear lock. Um, Todd Helton's case looks pretty good at this point. So does Joe Maurer. Um, you know, not a ton of ballots coming in just yet, but those are the top three. Then you've got guys like Billy Wagner, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, uh, and so on and so forth. But, I mean, when it's all said and done, we've talked about this with you a lot. For this year's class, do you expect it to just be Beltre and uh, potentially Todd Helton, or do you think that there could be others on this list as well? I think it, it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that we get four, all four of those guys you mentioned. Um, you know, Beltre is a Beltre is a, is a lock. Uh, Maurer is is looking very good right now because um, 
you know, he's he's got a high percentage there, and he's also getting a lot of those those uh, those votes from ballots where there's only two or three names on it or uh, on it, and that actually um, that has a higher predictive value when you're because more of the more of the voters who don't publish their ballots um, uh, include you know have have like shorter lists of players that they include, um, which would indicate is more likely a, you know it could be Maurer and Beltre and maybe one other guy or something like that on their ballot. Um, but as it is, uh, you know even Helton, who's above eighty percent, uh, has has a very good shot right now. Um, to my to my understanding, uh, the research shows that if you've got eighty percent going into uh, election day, uh, everybody who's gotten eighty percent going into election day uh, has gotten in. Has has their percentage has held up enough to get uh, to retain at least seventy five percent. And historically, if you look at this was uh, from uh, Nathaniel Rakich of five thirty eight. Um, if you look at the past uh, public to final drop offs. Uh, for Helton and Wagner, who've both been on the ballot for a long time, um, they would have to have a, their largest drop-off ever to miss right now. Now, the caveat is we're probably still going to get about 50 more ballots next week, and those percentages could, could come down. But based on the results we have today, it, his, historically it would appear that we could be getting a class of four. Wow. That'd be great if it happens. But we still have, we still have a lot of work to do on this, don't we? Yes, like I said, there's going to be probably another another 50 ballots coming in here, so yeah. uh, things could definitely change. All right, more with Jay as we keep things moving, but first, right back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Thank you very much. We're back with uh, right now Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs.com. We'll get his beer pick of the week in just a little bit. Uh, the last big story we had in baseball signings was five days ago. Jordan Hicks and the Giants signed a four-year, $44 million contract. What fascinates me about Hicks is he's been a reliever pretty much his entire career in Major League Baseball, and the Giants are going to try him in the rotation. Uh, that is something that really uh, you don't find a lot of 27-year-olds with, with his experience after all these years going back to the starting rotation, do you? Yeah, you know there there are there are guys like this. We've seen we've seen this happen, um, you know, several times in in in, in recent years where um, a team will shunt a uh, a, a pit, you know a, a talented pitcher with a with a big fastball uh, to the bullpen uh, early in his career and give him time to develop uh, a, a you know give him time to develop a bit at the major league level and then uh, move to the rotation. Sometimes it works. Adam Wainwright is a great example of this. Uh, closed was the closer for the 2006 champions, in fact, uh, and then went on to win 200 games, mainly as a starter uh, in, in a long and storied career. Um, but other times it doesn't work, and they you end up uh, these pitchers end up uh, kind of stuck in that closer bin forever. Um, the Reds tried this with the Roldis Chapman, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, the Red Sox tried it with Jonathan Papelbon. Um, there's times that it just doesn't take. Um, change of scenery might be might be helpful uh, in getting this done because a new team, you know, wants to get you know wants to get something different out of uh, uh, the guy. Um, but there's a risk involved here. I mean, you know, worst case, he ends up being a top flight closer. Uh, that's you know that you've, you've at least got a fallback there. But uh, um, you know, generally the generally the problem, you know, the the reason why pitchers get get shunted into the bullpen is because they don't have a reliable third pitch, which means they can't really you know take a look at a you know a batters can't get a, 
uh, or get onto their arsenal after you know one or two plate appearances, and so uh, it's harder to pitch deep into games. Um, so it's all going to depend uh, really on on how deep uh, uh, Hicks's uh, arsenal is, what, how how good his third pitch is. Um, as to whether he succeeds in this, I think. Let's talk about some other free agent signings since we last spoke to you. Marcus Stroman going to the Yankees. Do you like this deal? You know, I think Marcus Stroman is a, is, is a bit of is 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 a bit is a bit too much work for the for the, for the trouble. Uh, uh, he you know he has been very consistent when he's been able to pitch. Um, he has had. Uh, uh, a lot of injuries, however, and hasn't quite reached or has only reached about 140 innings in each of the last two seasons. Um, and he he has a knack for kind of creating distractions with his uh, um, you know his his public back and forth. Uh, he got into it when he was with the Mets here um, a couple years ago, and um, you know he actually badmouthed Brian Cashman and the Yankees uh, for saying that he wasn't an impact pitcher. So this is kind of funny. Uh, to see them turning to him now um, after they've been ter- after they've been rebuffed by uh, some of their other uh, uh, free agent choices, including uh, uh, Yoshinabu Yamamoto and uh, um, finding Blake Snell's price too high and and things like that. So um, the good news is it's a two-year, thirty-seven million dollar deal uh, with with a vesting. I believe uh, if he pitches one hundred and forty innings in that in that uh, uh, second year, he gets another year. Uh, at I believe 18 million or 19 million, so um, you know it's not a long-term deal. This could this could be fine, but um, based on what we've seen out of Marcus Stroman, it's very possible this blows up uh, in the Yankees' faces and in his face. The Cubs uh, worked on a trade with the Dodgers. They acquired Michael Bush and reliever Yency Almonte for a couple of uh, teenage prospects. I've heard good things about pitcher Jackson Ferris, so I think uh, you know the Dodgers will like him in, in time, and we'll see what happens. He also got an outfielder. But as far as the Cubs and Michael Bush goes, um, it seems like this could be a classic example of a guy that was blocked um, in Los Angeles. They'll get a better shot with the Cubs. Yeah, Bush is a guy. Bush is a guy who who you know they believe the uh, prospect uh, analysts believe has a has a, a major league ready bat with good power. Um, what he can't do is play defense. Um, he uh, you know he he's the Dodgers have tried him all over the diamond and and you know second base and third base haven't been uh, haven't been the solutions there. Uh, I don't know how much they they played him in the outfield, but. Um, yeah, I guess a little bit here, looking at the, looking at the stats. Uh, but uh, um, first base, the most logical landing point. They've got they've got Freddie Freeman there for the next several years, so that wasn't going to work. Um, so trading him to a team that can use him as a first baseman, I think, is probably the more logical uh, solution for Bush. And uh, the Dodgers, you know, not only needed to get something for for him, uh, they needed to clear a spot on the forty man roster uh, to accommodate their other transactions. Um, and in this case, getting the younger the younger guys that they did, those guys don't need space on the forty man roster yet. Um, so you can see why why this deal had some appeal to them. They uh, uh, they like the uh, the pitcher Ferris. Now Ferris can be on the same team as Bueller potentially here. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> which, uh, oh my which will god! Give us all a day off. <laughs> you know what? Now you got to own Ferris and Bueller in a fantasy league, and you could have the ultimate fantasy name. What a dream come yeah. true that is! Yeah, that's pretty funny. Love that. that Good job, funny. Jay. Way to think of that. Excellent. Oh, um, I wasn't the first. <laughs> Beer pick of the week. What are we talking about? 
Okay, this one um, I've probably profiled before here, uh, but I was uh, very surprised, pleasantly, to come across it at my local uh, uh, independent grocery store. This is the Rothhouse Pilsner Tannen Zaffel. Um, this is uh, uh, a uh, German beer from the Black Forest area. Um, it uh, comes in at uh, 5%. The bottles are uh, um, come with a nice gold foil on them. Uh, and a uh, um, little drawing. It's uh, it, this is a, a really old school uh, German pilsner that I like a lot. Um, kind of citrusy a little bit, and uh, a little bit of a little bit of uh, hop bitterness to it. Um, uh, it's a it's a nice little treat. Excellent, Jay. Always enjoy the conversation. We'll do it again with you right back here next week. All right. Thanks a lot. You got it. Jay Jaffe, folks, from Fangraphs, as we continue. Uh, it is 41 past the hour. Plenty more coming up right here. Sports Talk and 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, 49 past the hour. So I asked uh, a little tease earlier about a situation involving Cowboy fans and Jerry Jones. All right. This is, to me, the ultimate hypothetical, Okay. And let me give you a little background on this, and I'll even let Alberto chime in with this along with Adrian and everybody else. You can get into the show at 505-6009. Now, we all know that uh, Jerry Jones is 82 years old. He's the general manager. He's very involved in player personnel and day-to-day operations, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Ever since 1996, the last Super Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys have failed to get to a championship game, let alone the big one. Okay? So... The question I want to throw, the hypothetical, which we all know will never happen, is this. But I'm so interested just to get your thoughts on this, okay? And that is, let's just say Jerry Jones is given a rare meeting with a higher power. And during that conversation, Jerry is told this from the higher power. Jerry, I'm going to give you a choice. You can stay general manager the rest of your life with the Dallas Cowboys and never win another Super Bowl ring again. Or step away from the team in terms of just hiring the right people in place, football coach, general manager that do their thing, You watch the games from the owner's box, but you are not allowed to get involved whatsoever. Meaning, no press conferences, no radio shows, no general manager duty. You simply watch the game like an owner should. And you want to know something? I will reward you with another Super Bowl championship before you die. If Jerry is given those two scenarios, do you think he takes it? and would choose the Super Bowl championship if it meant being completely removed from everything that had to do with a player operation to run the team or would say, nope, I will stay involved for the remainder of my years even if I know that means we will never win another Super Bowl as long as I'm alive. 
What decision do you think Jerry Jones takes if he's given those two options? As he's on the way out in life, uh, there's there's no question about it. He's got to go for the Super Bowl, right? Because afterward, he can do a victory lap. He can do. He can be in the parade. He can be photographed. He can sign autographs. He can do all those kind of things. And I think as much as he likes to control. I also understand that J- Jerry Jones is the same guy who wanted Johnny Manziel. He wanted, when the Cowboys came up to pick uh, in that draft, that particular draft, he wanted Johnny Manziel. It's made public. And his brass around him said, no, 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 no. We're getting Zach Martin, man. There's no question about it. Johnny Manziel is not the guy. He's like, no, I want Johnny Manziel. And then he obviously, and then they draft uh, Zach Martin, who's going to be a pro football Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. And and look at what happened. I mean, Manziel's not even in the league right now. So I think to relinquish this one uh, and relinquish the power, there's no question about it. He's going for the Super Bowl ring. I don't know. I don't know. As somebody who's the most hands-on micromanaging owner, his be- his ultimate goal is the Super Bowl, and that's- even if it means even if it means st- removing himself. Yes. All right. Let's see what Bob Ganoush would have to say. Bob Ganoush, if Jerry Jones was given that option, those two choices, and said the only way you would ever be able to win another Super Bowl for the remainder of your living years is to completely remove yourself from the team and just be an owner, or do exactly what you're doing, and we and I guarantee you this: you will never win another Super Bowl as long as you're alive. What decision do you think Jerry does? I mean, I think if he knows that he'll get a Super Bowl, he would obviously do it. I do mean, you? Do you think? Do you think? Well, the only reason I think is because you're getting Super. I think he would do it. Not oh. nothing. He's never been because it's been twenty six years of futility and mediocrity, and it's okay. Like nothing happened. It's actually twenty eight, but who's counting? To the Cowboys are now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mediocre franchise, but see the problem is they make more money than anybody else. I think they're the most lucrative franchise. Real Madrid are one of those big soccer teams, and but they're by far like the most marketable team in the world. So he's a businessman, and he's still cashing in. And what does it matter? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, I just don't think. I don't think Jerry. I don't think Jerry has it in him to step away, even if he knew the options. Even if he knew that if he removed himself, because think about it. If he removes himself and they win a Super Bowl, then people are going to say, oh, my God, how many more could they have won if Jerry would have done this years ago? And does he really want to have that kind of an ego blow? Yeah, but, I mean, winning a Super Bowl or winning any championship is so hard. I know. Like, think about I know. Think about how many teams really are contenders every year in any sport. Think about how hard that is. Oh, I agree. Like I, I, I agree. Deep, I agree. Getting deep into the playoffs, how hard is that to do? And the Cowboys, I, I really think what happened on Sunday was Dak needed somebody, like the defense, to hold the dam so they figured it out on offense. The defense completely got shredded. Like, nobody's talking about that. They were getting shredded every play almost. And nobody held the damn for Dak for like a quarter or two to say, um, hey, dude, just figure it out. Well, we got your back for a quarter or two. And it was like 21-0 in a blink of an eye. 
and then he starts to panic. He makes a dumb interception like he did all last year, and then it was just over at that point. And, You're right. You know, it, uh, Baba Ganoush, I know you want to talk UTEP hoops, but I, I'm out of time, unfortunately, on this one. we got to just keep it for the Cowboys, and maybe we could talk a little UTEP hoops with you tomorrow. So I appreciate the call. We'll come back. Hour 2 next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Alberto Urueta is with us as well, third member of the team. At the end of uh, Hour 2, I asked you a question. What would Jerry Jones do? If he was given two choices, and let's just say his choices were stay in your role for the remainder of your life. Oh, you'll be successful. Not saying you'll be successful. You'll just never win a Super Bowl again, ever, as long as you're doing what you're doing. Or step away, just be an owner, don't have a radio show, don't hold press conferences. Essentially, just own the team like everybody else does in the league. And you know what? You'll win another Super Bowl that way. What decision does he make? Adrian says there's no doubt about it. He'll he'll go for the ring. I'm just saying not so fast. Um, looking at some of the reactions coming in on Twitter X, Victor Neff, Steve, God doesn't make deals with the devil. Well, there's your answer from Neff Poppy. Um, Enrique, Jerry is as stubborn as Thomas. All respect intended. Jerry would defy the higher power just to be in charge. So there you go, Adrian. That's what some of our uh, listeners are saying on social media at 600 ESPN El Paso. You can also call into the show 505-6009. Alberto, what do you think would happen if Jerry was given those two options? No, I think he'd pick the Super Bowl too. But I also I know that Jerry Jones wants to be a part of a of of the organization. I think he wants to feel like he's helping the team win the Super Bowl. Uh, but Can't he doesn't do realize, it. yeah, he doesn't Can't realize do he's it. he's hurting them. Don't you think though that it would absolutely kill Jerry Jones to know that if in fact the only way for them to get another ring was for him to be completely removed 100% from all day-to-day operations within the organization itself in terms of player personnel, don't you? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if Jerry... I wouldn't know if Jerry would even want a Super Bowl if it means that he has nothing to do with it other than owning the team. He has spent the last 28 years trying to win and show everybody he can do it. And that is, I mean, that's, that is a lifelong mission for the owner of this team. I mean, I, I, his, his investment is worth a fortune. We know that already. Jerry has more money than he will ever dream of for the rest of the generations of the Jones family. We know that too. But with that ego so big, remember, 1993, he said in an interview, anybody could win with uh, Jimmy Johnson's team. That was the quote. Anybody can win with Jimmy's team. And Jimmy said, okay. Put your money where your mouth is. I'm uh, I'm leaving. And then Barry Switzer comes around, and he wins two years later, and that was it. Since then, never had another champion. Never even had a trip to the championship game, for that matter. So, I don't know, Adrian. I don't think this is as cut and dry as just, yes, he would do it. I think that 
it would it would really like it would devastate Jerry Jones to just know and remember this is not stepping away because of medical issues this is medical this is just Jerry Jones stepping away because it would be the only way only way the Cowboys could win I don't I don't know if he does it I'm not arguing against devastation because I think it would happen, and I'm not arguing how difficult of a situation would be for him because it would be, but I would be arguing that if it is the only option that he's presented by the higher power, he'd say yes, he'd jump because it's uh, it's a Super Bowl. And at the end of the day, he will be still the owner. It'll say the owner of the Dallas Cowboys is Jerry Jones. He just won't be the face of it. And let's be real. like you, We can talk all we want about Dak Prescott, Micah Parsons, Mike McCarthy. He is Jerry Jerry Jones is the face of the Dallas Cowboys, the way that he acts as a team owner. And that's how many other owners can you actually say that about sports? Only one. Sports, only you know? one. And, only he is, one. and he is the only one right there. You're right. Which is why I don't think he can do it. I just don't think he can do it. Remember, this is not being forced to step down because of any issue that, that's happening off the field. This is just saying, hey, your choice is... Spend the remaining years of your life trying to get back, but knowing you never will, or step away and you'll be rewarded at some point with a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I think I, it's just the history. The, the history is there to back against this, like that he his decisions aren't right. Like, look mm-hmm. here, I'll give you a perfect one. He kept Jason Garrett in for nine years. Nine. Uh, he did, Jason Garrett what made it past the divisional round? Never. He made it past the super wild card round once or twice. Is that it? And then he kept him for nine seasons. He was so loyal to Jason Garrett. And it's probably because Garrett was the guy who gave uh, Jerry Jones a green light to have all the meddling he wanted on the team. Now, listen, when you look at this team year by year, since the days of um, since the days of, jo- of Jimmy, okay, let's just analyze this for a second. Because I think that's important. Sometimes we need a history lesson. Okay. When Jimmy stepped down after 93, starting in 94, Barry Switzer spent four years, and he inherited uh, a dynasty. And during that dynasty that he inherited, lost a conference championship, won a Super Bowl, lost a divisional champ- a divisional game, and then uh, didn't even make the playoffs. They were 6-10 and in 1997. Okay. So that was and that was the end. That was the end of the uh, of the dynasty. We all know that was it was coming to an end. So that was that was Barry Switzer. Here is Chan Gailey. 2 years of coaching. Chan Gailey lost both wild cards in those 2 years. 10 and 6, 8 and 8. Then came Dave Campo. 3 seasons for Big Dave. 5 and 11 all 3 years. That takes us to the tuna. Bill Parcells. Parcells from 2003 to 2006. Two wild card losses in four seasons. Best year he ever had was 10 and 6. One 10 win season, two 9 win seasons. Okay? Four years. That's what Parcells did. Then, perhaps the most successful of the group, Wade Phillips. People are going to say, Wade Phillips? Oh, yeah, Wade Phillips. Three seasons. I'm sorry. Yeah, three seasons for Wade, or three-plus, because he was fired in the middle of the fourth season. And in those three-plus seasons, two divisional title losses, and a 13-3 and season and an 11-5 and season for Wade. Very successful. Then comes Jason Garrett's nine-plus seasons. 
that featured three divisional playoff losses. Okay, not wild card losses, divisional playoff losses, where they won 12, 13, and 10 games, and they lost in the divisional round each of those three years. Then Mike McCarthy, four years, you have two wild card losses and a divisional round loss. And that's where we are right now. That's where we are since the last Super Bowl title in 1996 for the Dallas Cowboys. And Barry Switzer, who won that title with Aikman smith Irvin in 96. I would say an, another thing to examine when we're doing history uh, lessons is decisions that Jerry Jones has, um, I guess, championed on his own and how successful or unsuccessful they've been. And I think when you look at his own risks that he took with the Cowboys, most of those start in the early 2000s. Like, you look at the past 10 years, they've actually been pretty conservative. They don't sign free agents. Uh, They acquire most of their talent through the draft. They acquire uh, most of their coaches through uh, relationships that Jerry Jones has had through the past. So, uh, what I would say is if you look back to like 2000 they drafted Joey Galloway what a bust that was I mean what a terrible uh, draft pick that ended up being you think about uh, somebody else in, in you know how much they ended up trading for a wide receiver like Roy Williams in 2008 that was also uh, something crazy he traded a first third and a six round pick for Roy Williams in 2008 so I would look at those two decisions those were in like the 2000s from 2000 to 2008 right now that's when he had ultra control over his player personnel. So once he relinquished the direction on uh, player personnel and he gave that to Will Clay. Now, let me say this. Will McClay has a lot of the draft scout per, you know, choices. Um, Steven Jones uh, helps out with that as well as long with extension conversations. And Jerry Jones throws his own thoughts in that in those discussions that go on behind closed doors. So what I'm saying is now at least there's, he's put together a team around him who helps him make these decisions so they're not as reckless as they were back in the 2000s. He's still involved, and they still haven't won. So no, I'm I agree. That. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah. disagreeing. I agree with that. Chad Middleton weighed in. He texted into the show. Jerry Jones would not take the Super Bowl. No way. He's too big of a narcissist. That comes from Chad. This comes from Super Minor Minor, who texts into the show. As a partial owner of the team that utterly spanked the Cowboys last weekend, I say may Jerry Jones live to be 126 years old and keep running the Cowboys into the ground. Hashtag Go Paco. So there's a couple of uh, text responses into the show right now. So I'm... I'm very interested to see how this would go when it's all said and done. I really am. 505-6009, get your thoughts on this too. What do you think Jerry would do? I'm going to ask Jeff Erickson this question. See what Jeff would have to say from our team at rotowire.com. I would tend to think he will agree with you and say Jerry takes it, but I just I don't see it, man. I just don't. I really don't. So some people say, oh, yeah, take the Super Bowl. Really? And you're telling me just because because remember, it's not just winning a Super Bowl, but then it's ultimately realizing that the only chance your team has to really win a Super Bowl is to step away. And I don't know if he could do that, because if Jerry's going to step away, he might just want to sell the team because 
would Jerry even want to keep owning the team if he can't even be involved? I say no. Not at all. Yeah, maybe not. If if like your his egos, his narcissism is as high as everybody thinks, and maybe not, you know. And uh, I guess if you really wanted to be cynical, he's eighty one years old, you know. If he says uh, no to the higher power, I want yeah. still want to own the team. Maybe he sees the higher power again, not too far from now. That's right. Maybe he feels he can buy the higher power. All right. When we come back. Jeff Erickson will join us. 16 pass as we head over to Charlie One. Let's get this traffic update. Passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. Still to come, Brian Regan tickets. He's going to be performing out at the Plaza Theater later this month. If you want to see Brian, listen in on how you could win those tickets. We say hello right now to Jeff Erickson from our team at rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports. Jeff, happy Wednesday. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, really getting uh, starting to get. Uh, I've got my first slow draft for baseball going on right now, so getting those fancy baseball juices flowing. Excellent, excellent. Um, still kind of weird, isn't it? Because there's some major free agents that still haven't signed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Blake Snell uh, jumping right off the page. Cody Bellinger mm-hmm. waiting to see those, those last big ones go. Uh, I thought the dominoes would have fallen by now. I think a lot of us did. That's for sure. But it hasn't yet, and uh, we'll have to just wait and see uh, when uh, everybody ends up. All right, listen, we've got a very interesting scenario that I brought up a little while ago, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay, so we are going to play a complete hypothetical uh, situation that will never happen, but it's fun to think about. So picture picture this for a second, okay? Jerry Jones is uh, having a dream one night, and in the dream he meets a higher power. And the higher power tells Jerry, Jerry, listen, um, I know you've been at this now for almost 30 years uh, since uh, Jimmy left, and you haven't uh, been to a Super Bowl since that, uh, you know, that season with Switzer. Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, it's never going to happen as long as you are handling day-to-day operations uh, with the Cowboys. So I'm going to give you two choices, Jerry. You can continue through the rest of your life to run the Cowboys the way you have, and never win a Super Bowl or remove yourself from everything with the Cowboys. And that means no press conferences, no radio shows, no nothing. Just own the team like everybody else and never go back. And in your lifetime, you will have a chance to have another Super Bowl ring to add to your collection. If Jerry was given these two choices, knowing Jerry Jones, what do you think he does? Uh, I don't think there's any question. There's no way he's going to relinquish all control, not do press, especially the press conferences, things of that nature. I mean, it's just in it. It's just, I've seen too many uh, incidents there where I can't imagine him giving those up. I mean, when he's the one talking about injury reports every week, I mean, Mm -hmm. my goodness. Exactly. To me, that's just the biggest indicator that he just loves, you know, consuming all the oxygen in the room. I said to Adrian, because Adrian and I differed, I said there is no way he'll take that deal. Adrian said "Give him the, he'll take the Super Bowl. I said, um, do you, I said, Jerry would rather sell the team and then own it and know that he would win a ring with nothing to do directly with that team's success. It would, yeah. drive, it would drive him crazy. It probably would kill him. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's- Funny though, it's like all you have to do is point to George Steinbrenner being away from the team for a while and how 
that started the Yankees dynasty. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just that because he wasn't only allowed to force the trades of prospects. Uh, you know, he had to step away from the team for two years, and all of a sudden, like, that golden generation came in. Exactly. Steinbrenner learned. I, I don't think Jerry could. So, uh, Jeff, I'm very proud of you. I'm happy you took that stance because I totally agree with you. I just don't think, as uh, as a former uh, a partner of mine on Sports Talk put it when he texted into the show, he said, Jerry is too much of a narcissist to take that deal. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's true. All right. By the way, speaking of the postseason, where we are in the NFL, we had about five clunkers and one great game, and here we are going into the divisional rounds, and I guess obviously the biggest shock, the Cowboys are out, but the Eagles were in a tailspin for quite a while, and they just uh, you know solidified uh, their doom by not showing really much life at all in that second half against, uh, against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't think, as my co-host Nick Whalen said on our show, the shock isn't that the Eagles lost, it's how they lost. That they were just not competitive. Um, and the fact that they got blown out and you know really were exposed yet again, I mean, I think that's, that's the shocking aspect of it there. Jeff, I want to put you on the spot and ask you to predict for us uh, a little bit. Who is the Panthers coach next year? Who is the Falcons coach next year? And who do you think is the Commanders coach next year? Oh, I don't even know, Adrian. Um, I, uh, we're at the, hey, he, we've interviewed uh, Coach Candidate X stage right now. Um, and we still don't know if the Cowboys are going to stick with Mike McCarthy, you know, for that matter, too. Or if the Eagles do anything drastic. Uh, I... I think Harbaugh ends with the Chargers. Um, I know you didn't even ask about the Chargers. No, but that's but a good I, one. I just, no, I, I think it's still early in the process. That's that's kind of what you're hinting at. Well, and here's the thing: like some of the top candidates are still coaching right now, like Johnson with the Lions, for instance. You know, he, you know we'll see. He's going to get uh, opportunities to interview somewhere there. Um, we'll see about whether like the Texans' offensive coordinator gets an interview, gets involved in the interview process there. You never know, but. I tend to think that you know teams like to pluck away these assistants from top performing teams every year. So I, I think we'll kind of wait and see that one out a little bit still. Uh, if you had to pick a landing spot for Bill Belichick, either an NFL team or his couch uh, in 2024, what is it? Broadcast booth, uh, couch or broadcast booth. God, could you imagine though, with his personality, I can't even fathom what he would be like in the broadcast booth. Unless, Actually, probably studio would yep, be better for him. Studio, I think, would be fun because then his personality could show a little bit coming, playing off a few guys. But I just, yeah, broadcast booth could be uh, could be painful. That could be tough to watch. Yeah, actually, I agree. I was just thinking media generally, but I, I think, uh, yeah, studio job would be better for him. You don't think Arthur Blank hires him to run the four of the Falcons? I, I think... He, There'll be an offer there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think. I, I mean, I, I think it's possible. I mean, you, you've got. I, I think if they had a quarterback, it'd be a little bit different. I, I think he's going to where he ever if he does go back into coaching, he's not going to step into a situation where they have to groom a young quarterback. I, I think it's going to be. It's got to be a team where there, there's some maturity at that position, not after what happened in the, in the recent spell with the Pats. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, but you said it best. The Cowboys and Eagles still have a coaching decision to make. Do you think, if you had to guess, does Sirianni and McCarthy stay or, or go when it's all said and done? I mean, I'd stay if I, with Sirianni. I think McCarthy's 
a little bit different because we've seen him also with this act in Green Bay as well. I mean, the fact is his teams win, but he's also been on, you know, he's had a lot of stability. He's never really had to break in a young quarterback either. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Jerry might, might remain loyal to McCarthy. I, I haven't heard really a whole lot of rumblings there, and I think you're closer to the situation than I am. Um, but I, I think it'd be foolish to, unless there's like some, you know, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not dealing with the interper- seeing the interpersonal relationships. Unless there's a problem there with Sirianni, I, just looking at the mere results, I, I think you've got to give him a little bit of a write-off for the way this season ended. Okay. By the way, Dak Prescott had a great season, but it also comes to an end with a bad playoff performance. You can see the 60 passes, but the pick six and the other interception really killed him in the second quarter of that game, the loss to the Packers. Uh, is Dak Prescott essentially just the second coming of Tony Romo when you really look at those performances? <laughs> it's not a bad comp, really. Um and most teams would kill to have a Tony Romo career at their quarterback spot. Look at all the instability in the NFL this year at quarterback. I mean, Dallas didn't have to worry about that. Uh, we had so many different starting quarterbacks this year, and granted, a lot of those were due to injury, but there's a lot of, like, you know, you think New England would have taken a Dak Prescott season? In a nut, like, in a, in a minute, they would have. Atlanta, same thing. Um, and all these teams that declined to pursue Lamar, I mean, I, I still think that that's, I understand Baltimore would had the right to match the Baltimore. You know they would have had to work out some sort of deal. But the fact that they they so like not only did they not get them, but they didn't even like they they outwardly declared we're not trying. Yep. Um, that that's that's to me it's eye opening. It's like if you you can't mess up that position. So I I would take the Dak season nine times out of ten. Meanwhile, Aaron Jones, I think, was plus 1,800 to score uh, three touchdowns in a game. He did that over the weekend uh, against Dallas. Um, All it does is go to show you that when you actually give him the ball inside the red zone, good things happen. It probably would drive fantasy owners crazy because they look at Aaron Jones as a washed-up bust, but in truth... You know, this this game here, he was the focal point because Dylan was injured. They knew they needed him. They gave him the ball, and he does what he always does. He delivers. Yeah. Uh, it's just if you, and if you had him on a fantasy team this year, you're looking wistfully thinking what might have been, too. Um, I, I got to say, it. It you know, it, Dylan being hurt forced the, the Packers to do the right thing in the goal line. Um, and instead of, like, the default, hey, we got a big guy, let's just plow ahead with him sort of mindset there. They they go with the better back who can actually has better vision. And I, I think that's – this this dates back to, like, Freeman McNeil and Barry Sanders having, you know, big fullback type steal their goal line carries all the time. Uh, sometimes that worked for those uh, respective teams. It hasn't really worked with the case of A.J. Dillon. Who's your favorite uh, playoff play this week in fantasy? Um. I would say the receiving options in the Detroit-Tampa game. I mean, my favorite play that I've seen out there on prize picks is uh, 62.5 receiving yards from Mike Evans. Um, I'm taking the more on that one there. I think the uh, Lions, for all their positives, are a pass funnel. Their DBs are still very attackable, and I think Evans, who's pretty quiet on Monday night, will not be quiet in this game.
Jeff, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how CeeDee Lamb had played his way in into next year's possible top five, maybe top ten uh, fantasy rankings, especially on the receiving side, but maybe overall. What, where do you throw uh, Puka Nakua if you had to do a way, way, way too early uh, you know, ranking for uh, next year? Is he already kind of approaching that top ten for receivers right now, or what, what do you think? I'm glad you asked that, Adrian, because uh, we discussed that in the last couple of nights a little bit, where he's going to go in 24 drafts. I say end of the first round, like pick somewhere between 10 to 12 range uh, overall, not just among receivers, but overall. I think he's easily a top 10 receiver. Uh, He's the focal point now of this Rams passing offense. He has surpassed Cooper Cup, in my opinion. Now, give a full offseason a hell for Cup, and we'll see. Cup had multiple injuries this season, but I also think that Cup's of that age where – those sort of things might still recur. So Nakua, I mean, he, he's in that circle of trust now. And a healthy Stafford, uh, Sean McVay drawing up the plays for him, I mean, you want that. You want the primary receiver in a Sean McVay offense. So uh, I think he's an end-of-the-first-round sort of talent. We'll see. I, I, you know, certainly behind Jefferson, Chase, uh, Lamb, uh, probably behind A.J. Brown. I don't like the way the season ended for him. Behind Tyreek Hill, for sure. Um, behind McCaffrey, and then after that you can start talking. Then I think there's a lot of variance uh, in the equation there. I think Gibbs probably goes in the first round next year. Um, There's a a couple of other backs, but I think for the most part you're going to see another wide receiver heavy first round where you see like seven to nine receivers go in the first round. All right. We'll get a quick uh, bottom of the hour Sports Center with Adrian. We'll come right back. We'll do a little baseball. We'll shift it up with Jeff, 600 ESPN El Paso spec lists uh, come out in the last few days uh you've actually uh your team has not the top 100 you have the top 400 that's uh really what uh your prospect town james anderson's been about uh, on the website it uh, gets updated from time to time but you go much deeper than a lot of these top 100 lists but that's always a sign that tells me that spring training is coming close Absolutely, Steve, and uh, thanks for promoting that. Uh, James does great work. Uh, we love uh, everything that he does in terms of the prospects. He's also been doing pod- baseball podcasts all off season long, um, and I-, I love seeing that too. That he- he's constantly out there updating content, keeping an eye on the ball uh, and all that. And yeah, the uh, the prospect rankings uh, always sure to uh, draw a lot of commentary, a lot of uh, discussion there, and, and you know. James has had a really good track record in the past. So, you know, it's, it's, you get all the results from winter ball, from the Arizona Fall League, just more time to contemplate what players did in the offseason, what happens as a result of trades, all that. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the Rotowire Roundtable Baseball Top 300 January update. There's four people involved, you, Eric Halterman, Clay Link, and Todd Zola. And you rank uh, your uh, top 300, and then you put together the list, and we get the uh, the full 300 when you factor in all of you. And the thing I love about this list is a lot of you – know, between the four of you, you're different in a lot of ways. Some some players, you're as much as 20 to 40 spots either higher or lower than, than your counterparts. Yep, absolutely. And the deeper you go into that list, the, the wider the air bar – or not even air, but the wider the variance, right? You know, because, yeah. hey, let's face it, we're, we're going to – you know, these are the guys that we're less convinced about, uh, and so you'll start to see that as, as a trend going uh, going on there. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely, you'll see a lot of variance there. Like Blake Snell, for instance, <laughs> we've got almost, you know, Blake Snell is, is probably the biggest gap for a guy that's a premium guy. Uh, where, you know, if you look at his, 
you know, average draft position. He's often going like top 50 in a lot of drafts, top 60 at best or at worst. But our range is anywhere from 41 to 133. <laughs> so we have a pretty wide range there. 133, obviously, making a statement that he will not be drafting him. That's Todd Zola, my colleague there. I'm next lowest at 76 on him. I want to see where he lands before I get too excited. Keeping in mind that he is in one of the best pitching parks in baseball in Petco. Speaking of you and Zola, we could talk about Jake Fraley, Reds outfielder. You've got him ranked 195. Zola has him ranked 432. That is a variance of more than 240 spots when you start to look at it. So that's really where it also gets kind of interesting is I don't know how deep the four of you go when you really start to rank everybody, but you know Todd's got guys in the 400s that everybody else has in the twos. Yeah, Tom might be right on this one here. If you look at roster resource uh, on Fangraphs, they project uh, Fraley not to start. I, I kind of disagree with that. I think he will be starting, at least against right-handers most of the time. But he got hurt at the second half of the season last year, and I could see it. It's just hard to fathom, though. I mean, he was a guy that was a trendy guy last year, and all of a sudden now the Reds are crowded outfield situation or just crowded hitting situation that he might be missing more time. And I'm I, – I'm probably too high at 195. I probably in my in our next in our February rankings, I'll probably have them a little bit lower. Meanwhile, some of the biggest gainers are guys like uh, Yamamoto, who jumped up nine spots. Chris Sale went up uh, almost 40 spots. Ryan Pepio went up a large amount. Uh, Shota Imanaga went up, and you even look at uh, Jung Hu Lee, who was unranked, and now he's in the top, uh, you know, 260. So that is kind of interesting to see how uh, some of those guys who were involved in off-season movement found themselves uh, jumping up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, all these guys had recent transactions. Pepio, I mean, he goes from one good organization to another. So I just think his role is more secure in Tampa than it was with L.A. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I like what I saw from him down the stretch last year. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he can continue, especially in terms of his control. Absolutely right. As far as uh, baseball players go, you mentioned you've got drafts going on right now, a slow draft, and it's starting to get busier for you. What can you talk about as far as the website to really get everybody ready to go for their baseball season? So our draft kit is live on the site right now, and that includes our projections, rankings, dollar values, you name it. Constantly tweaking them, constantly updating them that you can get a head start. If you are if you are in an early draft, you can, we, we've got the resources there for you. Uh, rotowire.com slash free gets you free a peek behind the paywall. We also have an app that's been live for about a month now, and we also constantly update those rankings as well. Uh, if you, especially if you use uh, if you're on the uh, again an Apple uh, uh, product at all, you can get the app there, and it's it's all good to go. And as far as the app goes, uh, just uh, search RotoWire, correct? Absolutely, and you can see our our apps in multiple sports. Even I have a news app. You name it, uh, we got you covered there. Man, you do. You've got the RotoWire fantasy news. You've got the fantasy uh, baseball draft. You've got the football draft. It's interesting, and I should mention this because some of the RotoWire drafts are paid apps. Some of the apps, like the news app, is free. So for the yep. eight for the eight dollars you'll pay for the fantasy baseball draft kit twenty four. Let's talk about the things you'll be getting on that. So uh, you know that that's going to get you like every sort of ranking depth chart uh all our latest news as far as that goes you get that packaged in there you're going to get a lot of uh dollar values uh different ways to parse it there to help you uh, win your drafts obviously you know got you know we got a lot more and that kind of focuses on the baseball side of things for you there 
It does. And by the way, the nice thing about that is, you know, if you want to just have it at the touch of a button, there you go. And you'll have it and you can keep it for the next couple of months and it'll get you all the way through the, uh, the fantasy start of the fantasy season. Indeed. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, and just we're, we can't wait for pitchers and catchers to report, although I'm thoroughly enjoying the playoffs right now, enjoying, you know, basketball big trade today for my Pacers. So excited about that. You know, a lot of good stuff going on. We're excited for you if you're a Pacers fan getting Pascal Siakam. We saw him here at New Mexico State and have followed him very closely. I actually uh, texted Ryan Carr, who's their director of scouting, former UTEP assistant basketball coach, congratulated him on the trade. I know it was a steep price with the three number ones, but I like that for the Pacers. They, they took a shot. Yeah, and keep in mind, they don't get free agents to come their way. They have to trade to land that player. And in my lifetime, they've made maybe three go-for-it trades ever, you know, especially of this size. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. And if they're a good team, they're, they're, those picks are going to be mid to late first-round picks anyhow. So I kind of look at it as like, were they going to get a difference maker in the draft? No. Um, and he, I, I want to see a team go for it. Flags fly forever. I mean, we see it in all sports. You know, teams get rewarded for trying to go for it there. You know, just look at the Rams. Everyone says, oh, they mortgaged their future. Oh, yeah, they, they mortgaged one year, and they're back in the playoffs <laughs> this year and almost won a playoff game, and they, their, their future looks bright again all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, happy to see them go for it. Well put as always. All right, Jeff, we'll talk to you again right back here next week. Thanks for the time. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com, with our weekly conversation. Come back with more. Wrap up hour number two and head to our third and final hour, plus your chance to win Brian Regan concert tickets. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. On Sports Talk as we continue, Adam Schefter, a little while ago, uh, tweeting out that Dallas will not be making a head coaching change And Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy is returning for the 2024 season per sources. I'll ask Cowboys fans, are you happy? Let's put a poll question up at 600 ESPN El Paso. And that is, did Jerry Jones make the right call by bringing Mike McCarthy back for the 2024 season? Interested to see where Cowboy fans would go on this. Because I conducted uh, an informal Twitter poll a couple of days ago, Adrian. And I asked, uh, where will be the landing spot for Bill Belichick? And I used four teams. Cowboys, Eagles, Falcons, Commanders. My apologies to you, Panthers fans. But I only, you only have four spots. We had two, I had 205 votes coming in. And Adrian, it was close. But 41% of the vote believed Bill Belichick would be head coach of the Cowboys next season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised with that. I thought that that was the momentum going into the weekend. I think that, uh, you know, the brass met with each other. They were probably discussing uh, new changes. And I have no clue what ended up happening uh, for the, behind the scenes for the Cowboys to land on this one. Bringing back McCarthy uh, for another season. Uh, very, very, very talented roster out in Super Wild Card weekend. I'm shocked that this is the case. I'm shocked that we're talking about this today. Oh, wow. I, I, know, I know exactly how Cowboy fans are going to feel. It's going to be a landslide on this one. You think they're just going to be upset that McCarthy's coming back? Yeah, I think I think that any news is going to be bad news. It's just going to add gasoline to the fire that is this uh, ending of a season to the Dallas Cowboys. Where do you think thirty-four uh, percent? Uh, where do you think they chose Belichick's landing spot between the Eagles, Falcons, and Commanders? Thirty-four percent. 
Uh, Eagles. Falcons. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. 14% went Commanders. Only 11% said Philadelphia Eagles. Nice. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder where – I mean, Belichick, in my opinion, is going to land somewhere. He's going to want to coach. I disagree with what Jeff Erickson had to say as far as him joining uh, the like the television broadcast studios, uh, like a, a show or something like that. Um, although that would be cool. I would love to get – I would love, love, love to hear his insight. I think that would be really cool. Well, that's what um, – according to Pinky, he thinks he's going to be on his couch. So we'll see. Uh, but that's the story. And by the way, apparently – um, the Eagles are already interviewing coordinators, so it looks like Sirianni's coming back next year as well. You know, that one I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more okay with, knowing that, hey, he lost his two main guys. Uh, Shane Steichen, he's going to be one of the candidates for Coach of the Year and what he was able to do with Indianapolis, knowing they lost their quarterback in Anthony Richardson. They were running with a backup the entire year in Gardner Minshew, and they still had a chance to make the postseason playoffs. And, you know, on the flip side, Jonathan Gannon, his defensive coordinator uh, from the Super Bowl run with the Eagles, Gannon goes over to the Cardinals, looked terrible to start off and then closed out the year in promising fashion looks like they're going to bring back Kyler Murray and they want to run it back with him so yeah I mean two of the Sirianni disciples left his coaching staff last last year and uh, I think that had a lot to do with uh, how they finished off the year I think so too I do all right we'll talk more about this in our final hour of the show meanwhile as we mentioned Brian Regan coming to the Plaza Theater on January 23rd at 7 30 p.m. We do have some tickets remaining on sale through Ticketmaster and the Plaza Theater box office. He is one of the premier comedians in the country. And, of course, how to do a little sports with comedian Brian Regan today here on Sports Talk. I love whenever there's a best-of-seven series because then I get to hear my favorite sports reporter question. Would you consider this a must-win game? <laughs> you know, they always feel like they have to say yes. Yeah, we want to win it. It's very important, you know. Got our uniforms on it. Anyway, might as well try. <laughs> but it's not always the right answer, man. It's a math question. I wish I would answer that question honestly. It's a best of seven. You're down one game to nothing. Would you consider this a must-win game? No. Nah. <laughs> no, we can lose tonight. We can lose tomorrow night, too. We don't want to, but that wasn't your question. You asked if it was a must-win game, and if you'd ever taken a rudimentary math class, you'd already know the magic number's three. When you're down three, then you must win them or you're out. Once again, Brian Regan performing at the Plaza Theater. That's going to be coming up uh, on uh, January the 23rd, 7.30 p.m. You want to go? We'll give you the chance right now. Caller 5 wins the tickets. That's right. Caller 5, 505-6009. That's 915-505-6009. Caller 5, you're going to see Brian Regan. As we continue here on Sports Talk. So here is Jerry Jones' quote. Moments ago. I believe this team is very close and capable of achieving our ultimate goals, and the best step forward for us will be with Mike McCarthy as our head coach. There is great benefit to continuing the team's progress under Mike's leadership as our head coach. Specifically, there are many layers of success 
that have occurred this season as a result of Mike's approach to leading the team, both with individual players and with our team collectively. Mike has the highest regular season winning percentage of any head coach in Cowboys history, and we will dedicate ourselves in partnership with him to translating into reaching our postseason goals, to translating that into reaching our postseason goals. Certainly, Mike's career has demonstrated postseason success at a high level, and we have great confidence that can continue. Further, our loss on Sunday is shared by everyone here, not just Coach McCarthy, our players, our coaches, our front office, myself. There is accountability for our results. I am accountable for our results. The lens we use to view and evaluate Coach McCarthy is holistic. While we're all disappointed with the result on Sunday and with our playoff record, I am 100% supportive of him as our head coach and ability to reach our goals. We will start our process of review and decision-making regarding everything that impacts our team and roster. And while we're not going to address specific players and extensions or free agents at this point, it deserves our deepest review and consideration, and it will get it. End quote. Jerry Jones. Well, he already came up with the excuse there with the winning percentage. So there you go. We already debunked that in the previous segment, Steve. So we got ahead of it, actually. So uh, the statement here is, um, I guess, not surprising, knowing that he's obviously coming back. Uh, he had to defend things like the record, the playoff record. He had to throw that into the mix as well. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, you know I'm just waiting for the Cowboys PR to try to spin this positively because there's not a lot. You can't convince me otherwise. Steve. I'm going to give you the list of free yep. agents real quick. Okay? I want to hear it. Tony Pollard, Stephon Gilmore, Dorrance Armstrong, Tyron Smith, Tyler Biotish, J. J. Ron Curse, uh, and Jordan Lewis. Those are probably the, the I guess... Uh, I guess relevant names who will be free agents. Then you got guys like Dante Fowler, Neville Gallimore, Jonathan Hankins, CJ Goodwin, uh, so on and so forth. The the guys who are kind of your twos, not necessarily your ones, like those that I mentioned initially. That's still um, you know, there's a decent that's a decent list. Right. Really yeah. Is. yeah, you look I mean, what an impact Stefan Gilmore made on the team. Huge. Huge. This comes from Callaway 007. I am canceling my season tickets for the Cowboys, Adrian and Steve. Done with the mediocrity. Why waste my money on upcoming disappointment? This comes from Callaway 007. I didn't even know Callaway 007 had Cowboys season tickets. Man, flex on him. Yes. He might be David Garman. Hopefully not, though. Maybe that's his. Maybe that is his uh, burner account. I hope not, because we need some more 915 tours. We need Callaway out there in AT&T Stadium, too. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right, let's go to Johnny. He joins us next, 28 past. The Sports Talk continue. What's going on, Johnny? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, I heard a caller yesterday. I can't call too much because I work you know, in the afternoon and sure. the night. But he was talking about Trey Lance. I heard, if I'm not mistaken, I think I heard his name, Trey Lance, coming and being one of the Cowboys he is the one, of course, with the Cowboys, but being like the quarterback, and I'm like thinking, I, I'm a 49er fan. I pulled for, for Lance for the three years. 
I saw him play three times live. Okay, one game he actually played decent, but he just doesn't have it. When he got traded, I don't know if you know this, Steve. What's that? Nobody wanted him. The only team that wanted him was the Cowboys. Nobody would give him a seventh, sixth, and finally one team, the Cowboys gave him a fourth round. Yeah. He just doesn't have it. He's not a good quarterback. He's not, Steve. Let's be honest. It hurt me in a way because he, when he was gone because a lot of people were pulling for him. But people, you started seeing his progression just going down and down. He was a backup to Darnold. I know. You were saying even Allen was playing better than him. He doesn't have it, Steve. When you don't have it, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of the guy. You have to. You can't be paying this guy next, this coming year. He's going to get paid three times as much. That's why the Niners let him go, because they knew he was not going to be their future. Purdy is. That's why the Niners let Garoppolo go. I like Garoppolo a lot. I really do, but he's always hurt. Great player, always hurt. The Niners, $26 million for a backup. That's what you're getting. you got to let him go. There's no need for a $26 million quarterback to be a third stringer. It's not going to happen, Steve. And then just to let you know, Steve, I'm very impressed with that quarterback love. I saw the game yesterday again, just kind of a little bit here. That guy runs to the side, runs to the left. It's, he's like, when you see him, he's calm, very calm. You don't see that a lot about a young guy like that. What is he, 20, 25, 20, something like that? But this guy is going to be good. Green Bay is going to be a tough team in, a, in the future. You watch them get very young. I think they have the youngest receivers. Now, the, the youngest league, team, they have the youngest, they're 20, their average age is 25. They're young. The whole team exactly, is young. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the Niners are going to have problems with them I on Saturday. You. But I, this is my prediction, Steve. I just think the Niners will not let them have that time. They're going to put somebody there where Love is right in the middle, like what he was doing, going to the right. Yeah. Maybe Warner. Warner's a beast. Warner Greenlaw. Greenlaw. They're going to do something there where they're kind of, you know, well, he doesn't have all that time because if you see the game, he had time to throw. That line gave him time. I've been watching football for a long time, Steve, okay? And I saw what I saw. I was like, wow. He had a lot of time to throw the ball. He did. I respect Aaron Jones. I love that guy. That guy is 95. But I'm going to tell you right now, Steve, he never does good with the, cop or the 49ers. Look at his stats. No, you're right. All the, all the games. He's uh, he's he usually gets he's he's gotten hurt against them and he's fumbled against them. Exactly. So so really, this is this would be a huge statement if he could show up and have a big game against San Francisco. That'd be a big deal. Yeah, but it, it's he's a great player. But for some reason, the Niners they 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 held. Really they have his good. number. They, they have his they, number. There's no they doubt. They got it. They got his number. But I just wanted to say that, Steve. I just think I have a lot of respect for Green Bay. What they did, they went under. At, in their home, and they beat them pretty bad. They could have. They, they. I started laughing when they took out Love and they took out Jones. They could have scored two more touchdowns. I know, I know. They couldn't be stopped. You know? It's true, Johnny. Great job, man. Appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in today. I've got two more calls to get to. Patrick and Fernie. We'll do that right after. Uh, Adrian, standing by. We'll do a quick Sports Center update here at the bottom of the hour, and then get right back to uh, more in a moment. By the way, Adrian coming up also with an update on tomorrow's live broadcast from the district. We'll be back on the road getting you ready for a little UTEP hoops. He's got that information coming up now. 
Now Patrick's going to follow up that call from Johnny. Hey, Patrick, what's going on? How are you? Oh, not much, not much. Hey, the dysfunctional and the dysfunctional insanity continues. Um, it is what it is. Us cowboy fans, we you know we you know we walk over the cliff every year, and and we we get up and and we start the process all over again, and uh, it's just going to continue when you got an owner that uh, will have thirty microphones around him and he's the one answering instead of the head man being accountable but it works two ways the uh, the owner uh in any normal uh situation the owner hands the keys to the head coach and says i need to get this done and if it doesn't get done then then his butts his butts out of there but you know, with our dysfunctional organization, uh, by the way, uh, us and Raiders fans, we do need to start a support group um, because this is this is this is too much. But the only way that that uh, I will uh, give us any any uh, ounce of hope is if there is a commitment. There's a commitment to run the ball, and I'm talking about to get the pieces. I think our O-line is overrated. Uh, I do not think – I think we're an average O-line to run the ball. If, if we commit to do that and if we commit to stop the run, I think Dan Quinn, if he's smart, he gets out of there. He, he, he needs to realize that, that this organization will – well, take him over the cliff as well. He needs to take a head job for his sake, and we need to we need to have a commitment to stop the run, and we need to have a commitment to run the ball. That's our only hope. Hey, have a great day, guys, and I thank you for being my counselor right now. Appreciate that, Patrick. Thanks for the call and uh, anything we can do to try to help you out. That's uh, that's really what it's all about. Well, Cowboy fans are. Sounding off right now with their wish list of what they'd like to see. As far as Dan Quinn goes, I mean, the interesting thing is going to be, did the loss to the Packers hurt his head coaching chances? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Good point. I mean, look, uh, Seattle looks like they want him. They want him uh, badly as uh, you know to interview at least. Uh, Dan Quinn I'm talking about. And I think for Quinn it's more about the continued success, the fact that he's done it before as a head coach, mm-hmm. the fact that he's even reached a Super Bowl uh, you know, here before as a head coach in 2016 with the Falcons. I guess the one thing you'd point out in that year is that's the infamous, what, 28-3 come-from-behind victory by Tom Brady and company. Uh, yeah. And by the way, uh, Pro Football Network did their top – uh, 10 rankings of offensive line. Uh, Dallas was not in the top five. They're number six, actually. So outside looking in, I would say good, not great. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess, how you would evaluate it to his point. Let me give you one other quick nugget, Steve. Please. Dak Prescott has a three-day trade window, okay? And it starts on March 13th. If he is traded before March 17th, uh, his 34 million roster bo- uh, bonus will not kick in with Dallas, so they can save 34 million dollars by trading him in a three-day window. Uh, it starts on March 13th, and it can exceed March 17th. So that's, uh, of course, it goes from the 16th or 13th through the 16th. Does that mean that whoever acquires him will only have to pay him what 25 million? 
that's a good question. So that's something that I, I'm not sure of, and I, I wonder if that kicks in automatically or if uh, – so I, I think teams would get creative if they wanted to trade for Dak Prescott. That's the bottom line. Uh, but then you'd have to ask the question, which teams out there would actually want to acquire Dak Prescott if you'd have to pay him more than $50 million a year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know how that salary works for twenty twenty four. Well, I'll I'll tell you this too, right? There's a lot of teams out there who'd want to get rid of their current quarterback. So, can I throw out a scenario at you? Could the Denver Broncos send a fourth round pick in Russell Wilson for Dak Prescott? Could you see that happening? And kind of, hey, problem for problem, let's Ugh. flip quarterbacks. I don't think any, who I don't, hangs I, up first. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather keep Dak for another year than Russell Wilson right now. One hundred percent agree with that. Uh, let me throw another one to you, super quick. Kenny Pickett and a first round draft pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for Dak Prescott. No, nah, I don't think Kenny Pickett showed enough last year where Cowboys would want to take a chance on that. Even with that first rounder, you wouldn't take a chance on maybe you drafted another guy, you got three guys in a room, and, no. and you still? No. I think the, the reality is what you're saying right here, is, and I agree with you, but what you're saying right here is there's really no option uh, to trade Dra- Dak Prescott unless you go team by team and really find a good landing spot for him. Correct. By the way, Prescott has an unsecured $29 million base salary and then a $5 million fifth day of the league year roster bonus due on March 17th. So I guess... $29 million is kind of the hit. That's really what he's talking about right now. It's $29 million. Somebody might take that chance for $29 million. Yeah. See, here's, here's my problem with the Cowboys, okay? If you're going to trade Dak Prescott, this team is built to win now. Now. If you're going to trade Dak Prescott, you better bring in somebody that you know can get it done. And all those names you mentioned do not make me feel any better than Prescott right now. None of them. Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, doesn't matter who they are. Nobody gives you a good feeling versus Prescott. Yeah, even if you threw in middle-of-the-pack guys in that conversation, you're probably saying no and uh, going to Dak Prescott. Like yeah. uh, Statistically, Kirk Cousins is Dak Prescott, right. and you probably wouldn't do that trade either. Well, because he's coming off a major injury. Yeah. An Achilles course. injury. Yeah, and then he's also got his own contract to deal with. 100%. Like, I guess the question is this. If you could find a quarterback that's on the block – that you would rather have than Dak Prescott, I would love to know who that is. Baker? I don't think – you really think Tampa Bay is going to be trading no, Baker Mayfield after no. what just happened this year? And what and how cheap they got him on an initial deal? No yeah. way. Yeah. And by the way, the Cowboys could have had him. They passed. They could have had Baker Mayfield. Anyone could have had him. Sure. They passed on him. He was scout team defense for Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's right. But, I mean, there's nobody out there right now that's available, that you could say is a better option for the Cowboys than Dak Prescott. That's the toughest part about it. Deshaun Watson for Dak Prescott. Well, I'll tell you right I'm, now. I'm just going through all the lists right now. I don't think these are good options, but I'm just going down the list. Deshaun Watson in 2023 is not a better option than Dak Prescott. Agreed. The Browns would love that. Browns would take Dak Prescott over Deshaun Watson any day of the week. Yeah, they'd probably throw in a second in, the, yeah. in that conversation, too, but that's because not, they're just one right. quarterback away. But that's not happening. No. I think there's no way the Cowboys are giving that kind of money to uh, Deshaun Watson, who has a huge question mark uh, in front of him right now. So, no, that's not, that's not better either. I haven't heard one better option right now in terms of Prescott. If there's one quarterback you could throw at me that's on the block that makes more sense, you tell me, and I'll be the first to say pull the trigger. But I haven't heard it yet. All right, we got 19 in front of seven. 
come back, wrap things up. Miners tomorrow night back in action, and uh, they've got probably the best chance they're going to have to win their first Conference USA basketball game. We'll talk about that during our final countdown right here, 600 ESPN El Paso.